Now then, welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we're, that we've never seen before at this point in our lives, Midlife. I'm Sam Turner. This is my brother-in-arms, Chris Jenkins. Mark Knopfler. Hello. Nice to meet you. Uh, Chris, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself by um, maybe sharing a, a great piece of advice that you've received? Keep the receipts. Always keep the receipts. Great stuff. Each week we watch a film that is new to us, starting from the year we were born, running chronologically through to the present day. Uh, Before the recording, neither of us know what each other think of the film. Very good. Well done. You're getting better at that bit. And that's important, isn't it? Yes. Um, This week, we've reached... 1997 on our journey it's episode 15 we're going through our experimental phase yeah puberty puberty not yet not yet i'd say um it's a documentary film that we're covering and we are keeping this episode of the podcast tight very tight Uh, my my son has only just gone down for his nap. He went down late. Sam's got to meet. Is it Jack Goatsy? Your son. Jack. You haven't got a son. Jack. Jack Goatsy. Jack Goatsy. Yeah. Hi, Jack. So this is. We're going to try and keep this to an hour, or even less than that. And so this could be the best thing we've ever done, or the worst thing we've ever done. Absolutely, absolutely. So what? We, what shall we do? Get straight into the film. Let's get straight into this. No preamble, no fluff, no 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 extra stuff, uh, no tangents, no um, extraneous information, no you know just no no padding, no padding. Straight down no, the line, structure. Straight into it, structure. No messed about, no ambling along, no you know just nothing long. It's all about. Um keeping to our mission which is to cover a film talk about our lives that's it mission accomplished have you ever heard someone say this bish bash bosh bish bash bosh keep it simple stupid kiss yeah it's it's the economy stupid pardon it's the economy stupid it's the economy stupid um abc always be closing um yeah let's do this Hands on a Hard Body is a documentary by S.R. Bindler. It's the story of a competition in a Nissan showroom in Longview, Texas. The competition involves 24 contestants keeping their hands literally on a pickup truck. The last person standing with their hand on the pickup truck wins the truck and standing is an important feature because they can't lean on the truck. Uh, they have to be standing at all times. At least one hand has to be on it. Um, and they have one five minute break every hour and they have a 15 minute break. Remind me, Chris, every, every six hours, every six hours. We know they can't squat. They cannot squat. 
and they have to wear some sort of suede glove to protect the paint of the car. The sweat could compromise a paint job, so they have to wear a, a suede glove. Is that have you? Is that right? Yeah, I think it, you know, like chamois. Le- it looked like chamois leather, like sort of suede. Yeah, you're right. I thought it looked quite coarse. I thought it looked like quite a coarse glove. Maybe it was a cotton glove. What's your favourite type of glove? I want to say fingerless, but I've never owned any. Um, favourite type. That, is that a sort of long-held ambition of yours to own a pair of fingerless gloves? Yes. Every winter, I think, this year, I'm going to wear fingerless. I'm going to be able to u- do stuff while I wear gloves. But um, but the, the cold scares me, so I just, I just never quite commit. I haven't popped my cherry. I, I wore fingerless gloves while working at home through the winter so people would see me in a zoom meeting and i'll try and keep my i'd try and keep my hands away from the camera and then i'd scratch my face or something and they'd realize i was wearing fingerless gloves and the gaff would be blown Uh, did they laugh um i I saw some people that didn't feel like they could mention it but they'd they definitely noticed. That, that, that's much worse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's much worse. I've never so, owned a pair of leather gloves. Uh, leather? No, I mean that that is something. That is something, isn't it? No, I've never, I've never, I've never worn or owned leather gloves. Have you? I've never, I've never worn or owned anything leather. Leather uh, jacket. Pattern shoes. I've never had leather jacket. No. There's that big leather shop, leather jacket shop in uh, Liverpool Central Station, opposite Games Workshop. Yeah, there's a lot of memes go out about that, saying that that and cockroaches would be the last thing to, that would be the only things to survive the True. Uh, apocalypse. True. It was low hanging fruit for me to bring that up, wasn't it? I was going for an easy laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Even though it wasn't a joke, really. Just mentioning a shop. So, we're going straight into quick thoughts. Whoa, whoa. Okay, this is fast. I I really like that prognosis, Sam. And also, they can't do any... I probably said it. They can't do any squatting as well (laughs) as... as, I did. Right, okay. Uh, Quick thoughts on this. I'd say a good documentary. Nothing more... Nothing less. So I think we both went into this with high expectations, didn't we? We'd, we knew two key facts, which were Robert Altman was looking to make a film based on the documentary and Quentin Tarantino had described it as his go-to movie uh, to not Jimmy Kimmel, not Jimmy Kimmel, another talk show host. Conan O'Brien. No, the kind that guy who's always got like a smirk on his face. Oh, David Letterman. No, younger. Um, Jay Leno. Younger. Jimmy Kimmel. I always forget his name. I always forget his name. He he plays guitar. Uh, I don't think he plays guitar, no. No. And I think I know who you mean. He's got... Brown hair. Do, do write in. Do write we in. We need to folks, move on. Um, so we went. So we went in it with high hopes. Uh, Tarantino saying it's it, it was the 
film, the one film that he recommended to anyone that came into his video shop, it seemed like a strange subject matter for a documentary. I couldn't imagine how it would it, how it would maintain its momentum. Do you think it did? Yes. Yeah, me too. But Quent um, did describe in a in a strange way to that talk show host. Let's just call the talk show host Graham Norton. Yeah, Graham Norton probably was him. He said to Norton, "If you if you stick with it, it's worth it." Really, that that makes you think that it's hard to watch, but it's the easiest watch you're going to see, isn't it? Having said that, having you said that, I didn't say it. Um, I did feel like I'd gone through an endurance test watching it to an extent. But I think that was the impact of just feeling the exhaustion of the contestants of the competition. Yeah, the impact of watching people stand up for four days. Four days, was it? Four to five days? It was 82 hours, I think. Uh, Spoiler alert. Um, Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, There's there's a certain type of documentary. I I mentioned last week I was talking about a theme park documentary. It's called Class Action Park, about one of the most dangerous theme parks in America that was around in the 90s and um, really ridiculously dangerous. People died. They had mad rides that had been invented by a really scrupulous uncaring mad theme park owner and there's another documentary the king of kong about another competition based documentary about people trying to beat each other's space invaders high scores and uh i mentioned finders keepers one about someone who loses his prosthetic leg and then another person buys it in a garage sale and won't give it back to the original owner. Um, so he there's these amazing. Yeah. There's, there's, and there's, you know, there's, is it Winnebago man as well? The guy who get, there's like a documentary about a guy trying to sell Winnebago's. He became, he was like the first viral video a Winnebago salesman losing his rag, trying to film a, a corporate video, and all the outtakes went viral on VH, like VHS got passed around, and then they made a documentary about who this guy is, Winnebago, Winnebago man. So there's like, it's what I'm trying to say is there's a certain type of uh, documentary about quite niche, um, mm-hmm. kind of like throwaway things that if you probe deeper, they're really exciting and. Good to watch. And are they often in the yeah. sort of the sort of forgotten corners of America as well? Like this one's in Longview, Texas. Yeah. Um, I assume that all of those are in sort of these maybe places that we've never heard of. We always hear about Los Angeles and New York, but this is sort of very much yeah, real I think America. They are. I think they are. And um, I was so I was excited for this one because in the opening bit of Hands on a Hard Body, one of the contestants is saying this has all the elements of human drama laid laid bare. So I was expe- so this this was like a, it was a good human drama, but it didn't have the usual twists and turns that you get in documentaries. No, it was it was more a sort of character study, wasn't it, of uh, all the contestants that were. And the, the the different motivations for winning, uh, the journey that they went through 
over that period of the competition. And I think there was there was sort of bigger philosophy at play as well. That that guy there that you mentioned, who said it was a, a human drama thing, yeah. Um, in, he in himself was a kind of hands on a hard body competition philosopher, wasn't he? Benny Perkins. Benny Perkins. He won the original competition, so he was the returning champion, and he was the most zen contestant, and. You're thinking, what is it about this guy's mental makeup that means he can do it and the other people can't? You know, you're trying to work it out. And what you're just saying in there about a, a bigger philosophy than just winning a car, I was grasping to know what that was throughout this documentary. And I think the documentary could have gone a bit, a bit more probing, a bit deeper on that because at the end of the day, they put themselves through this crazy mental and physical strain and they they kind of go half crazy doing it because of the sleep deprivation and the physical pain but it doesn't really probe the sort of material aspects of it of why are they doing all this just for a car which is easy to say for me you know these people probably were from a lot of poorer backgrounds but it's like it didn't go that deep into that, did it? But it did make you question why they're doing it after a certain point. Yeah, yeah. But then maybe you sort of turn it on yourself and think about your own struggles. And, you're, you know, I uh, I regularly ask myself the question, when I wake up for work, when I go into work, would I prefer to experience that day in work or would I prefer to just fast forward and be at the end of that day in work? Wow. And what's the answer? Um, it's almost always fast forward. Wow. And how does asking yourself that question benefit you? Um, well, I think you need to ask yourself these questions and then you can think, well, how can I change this? Okay, so it's like and how how long do I how long do I want to do this for? How, what does that say about my life? What what changes do I need to make um, to 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 make that not the case? Is it possible for that not to be the case? Yes, I I, I see it as like that question's like an amuse bouche to the to the to the next question, which is the starter maybe or the main course, which is kind of what you said what what changes do i need to make today to leave this situation in, in, in over a long term sort of period to yeah, to, or, to, to imp- improve my situation it might not be leaving a situation it might be doing things within that situation to ensure that you enjoy it more or want to experience it more yes that that so and which, and do you think you're doing it to experience the day better or do you think you're doing it with a more long-term view to improving your life and doing something else it depends depends what circumstance you're in doesn't it depends what mood you're in that day well it depends what you know there might be there might be long-term aims that align to short-term 
um, in different ways. I, th- I think we're going down a bit of a cold, uh, a bit of a rabbit hole. I, I, here. I don't think so. I want to get down to brass tacks, Sam. Here, Sam. Where where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, in your chair. In this on this sofa bed. I, I want to be. I want you to be asking. No, I want to be asking you these questions. Someone like you. Someone like me. These questions. Oh, I see. That's what you would say to the to the the boss, the interviewer. I want to uh, be in your chair. Yeah, I thought that's you what would, we were doing. You'd get escorted out of the building. Well, not that much, but they they would never hire you because they'd see you as a threat. Do you not think that's a good answer to that question? I think it's a I think it's a terrible answer. If I was in a job interview and I said, "I want to be in your chair in five years' time," the red flag, threat threat or thinks he's funny get rid of him have you been asked that question in in an interview I think once Um, maybe an interview for Clark's shoe store when I was like 16 or something you're right it's like an old guy in a back room of an office yeah it's probably a bit past there to ask that question now isn't it yeah actually it wasn't Clark's it was Jones the bootmaker are you familiar with them no no where are they Best. Probably more of, more of a southern English, southern England brand. Jones the bootmaker. Yeah. Talking about boots, um, one of the commentators at the start of this documentary pulls up Russell, one of the contestants, and says he's got no chance because he's wearing he's wearing boots. Russell's out there in boots. What's he thinking? They, they, it's like Russell's in boots, and there's another guy in pumps, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm in pumps. I'm going to get pumped up." Pumps up, yeah, yeah, uh, and he and he was my f- favorite character by a country mile. He was, he was brilliant. He was brilliant because he, he kept saying Snickers. He kept saying Snicker, Snicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for Snickers bar, he said, "Yeah, I'm just gonna keep eating Snicker uh, every and, break." Um, <clears throat> do you do you know what his name was? No, I was trying to I was trying to find it before um, because they asked him. Sorry, go on. I, I've got an audio clip to play from that contestant because um, this was my favourite bit in the uh, documentary and it's just how long he takes to say the same thing. Right, okay. Okay. Most likely, you know what's going to happen the night before the contest, I ain't going to get no sleep. I know that already, but I'm going to be too excited. I get excited for anything. With anything come up, I get excited and I can't go to sleep. And that was gonna be my most of my problem. Right till that Monday, that Monday night, I ain't gonna able to go to sleep. I'm not gonna be able to go to sleep because my mind gonna be focused on that truck, on that truck, on that truck, on that truck. I said, I'm gonna tell my man, sit back now and go to sleep and rest. I don't know how to where I'm gonna go to sleep that night because that's gonna be my problem right there. But I'm gonna stay up all that night, focusing on that truck, and then I know I'm gonna be weak that night. So that's gonna be my most problem right there that night because I know. When I get my mind focused on something, I can't go to sleep. You know, going to be the problem. Now, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. So there's um, there's a uh, there's a musical there's a musical version of Hands on a Hard Body, and there's a, there's a song in that called My Problem Right There, and that's that's based on that bit, and it's 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 an amazing song that I, I really highly recommend watching the documentary and then listening to the listening to the soundtrack to the musical because that is a that's a wonderful uh, watching. <laughs> To, uh, to continue your me- metaphor, if the uh, documentary is the main course, then the um, the musical is a wonderful uh, 
dessert. Desserts, dessert, I'd say, yeah. Well, I, I listened to, you sent me the musical on Spotify and I only listened to the first song, but now that you've told me there's a song called My Problem Is I'm Not Going to Be Able to Get to Sleep, um, I think I'm going to listen to the whole thing. I think like what you were saying about drilling deeper into the philosophy of the of the piece, I think the musical does that really well because I think it sort of takes strands of it and then sort of extrapolates on them and makes them into really interesting songs. That sounds so, so good. There's a, the second song is if I if I if I had this truck and it's all about the importance of earning a truck in Texas. Yeah. So yeah, again, I mean, it's speaking to the motivations of the contestants. They say in the documentary that a Texan without a truck is like a Texan without a hat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a funny analogy or allegory. What what's the word? Anyway, analogy analogy because they're both things that you they're both like things that you own they're not they're both things that you that are good to have but they're not really integral to your existence are they no no yeah yeah so but yeah like trucks are really important to those people they're saying you can make you can't make money from owning a car but you can from owning a truck you can do things Mm -hmm. with it and yeah, um, I, I, I can. I, when I lived in Mauritius, there was something about owning trucks. Trucks were important. You, you could do more with them. You could go more places. Um, and it's, uh, but yeah, um, it was. It was interesting. It, it was. You said it was a Nissan. Nissan. A ni- Nissan. And it was good watching this because the truck looked really rubbish by today's standards didn't it yeah well cars looked very different in the 90s didn't they They, across the board cars were sort of a whole different proposition in the in the 1990s i I think i think there's a big jump somewhere around the yeah mid noughties i think the only time cars looked good was what 50s 60s 70s Mm -hmm. anyway i I didn't want to i didn't want to talk about cars i just wanted to say that watching a documentary from the past about cars it that kind of just watching something that's been in a time capsule that lays bare the kind of rubbishness of consumerism doesn't it in, right, in, quite, okay. a, in quite a neat a neat way like like i also went on youtube and watched touch the truck with dale winton which was the uk version on channel do you know right I, th- I thought there was i thought there was some sort of i, I was thinking there was a episode of a sitcom that made reference to a competition like this but maybe i was thinking of dale winton's touch the truck yeah so there was that and again you're watching it and you're like oh that's a rubbish truck like so and i think about all these people who were like dead excited about the latest iphones to come out Mm. and like they're queuing all night and stuff and they spend 600 quid on an iphone and then like literally like like in, in like seven years time that phone will be like not going to a landfill but you know pretty rubbish so if you haven't got what I'm saying is if you haven't got the philosophy or patience to see out seven years in your life you're always going to be striving to buy the latest crap really aren't you 
yeah. what does it but what does it what does it benefit you okay a truck a truck would benefit you it's like it's being socially mobile isn't it so upwardly mobile uh, and to all the other re- I, I think to be fair to the contestants of hands on a hard body you know they weren't they weren't in it for the social cachet of owning a Nissan they, they you know some people want needed to get use it to get to work others like you say were thought they could make money out of it the winner was actually it was actually a love token I mean you, yeah he, when he, when he got given the truck he, he said to his wife this is for you this is good this is your truck I did wonder was that just the the tiredness talking no I think they had a very strong pure loving relationship JD and his wife I'm with you I was just playing Keanu Reeves to your to your um, to your Al Pacino Al Pacino devil's advocate yeah but um, I I think they had a very sweet relationship and I think he did give the truck to his wife the winner and yeah that was that was there weren't any twists so to speak of and it was a shame that the documentary crew hardly ever captured when people took their hand off the truck. Yeah, they, that's they, true. They never seem to capture the events happening, like people taking their hand off the truck and getting. You'd always hear about it from in. Oh, what's just happened? Or oh, such and such has happened. But I was going to say the one kind of good twist in it was. Um, like who's it going to be? Who's going to win? What's going to happen? And then the winner, they don't really do any interviews with him until right near the end, and then he says like what he does in his spare time, and then you're like, oh, that's why he's going to take the lead. He's a he's a hunter. Yeah, he's a deer stalker. He's a deer stalker. Yeah, and, he, and he's and he does his monologue about standing for days and days and like if if you go you'll get no deer mm-hmm. but if you stay out and stay as long as it takes you you will get a deer but it's how long you're prepared to wait that, that and that's a central theme to the documentary isn't it endurance and motivation and concentration and it's it's um it's how people get there that is the interesting thing and also, though, going back to their relationship, JD and his wife, I think that's a central theme to the documentary as well. Relationships, JD has his wife, another contestant, I've just forgotten her name, um, has Jesus. Yeah. Marnie, Marlo, Mar- Marie. Definitely begins with Ma. Norma. Norma. Definitely is the wrong way around. Sorry. Um, she, I, I had her down. She was my, she was my favourite to win throughout. I thought, I thought, and, and a lot of people said, a lot of the contestants said that as well, didn't they? They thought this uh, very devout Christian woman um, of maybe South American descent, Central um, American descent. Yeah, I'd say um, maybe. So she was listening to gospel music throughout, um, singing along. She was going into fits of hysterical laughter. Which which I thought was just intimidation tactics. 
Did you really? Did you think I she really, was playing a game? For most of it, I thought she was just intimidating the other contestants because she was a really loud, big character. And But then I think halfway through, I started to think, oh, actually, she's she's really just into her gospel tapes and her, her spirituality, her, her religion. Yeah, I think she was legit. I think she was legit. So it basically went down to her, to, to Norma, to uh, JD and Benny in the end. Benny... Um, my favourite was my favourite to win was Benny. Right, okay, yeah. The, rain, well, that the, reigning, been... the reigning champion. I thought he's zen, he's calm. This is He's going to win it again. That would have been a bad story though, wouldn't it? It would. And what I did like about the documentary is you're trying to work out who's going to win and you're like, oh, should I be going on physical characteristics? Should I be going on how calm they are? What You're trying to pin down what in a human it is that gives them the the the, the, the stamina and endurance to do it. And then the guy who wins, JD, he, it, was, he the, was he the oldest guy? I think he was the oldest, yeah, yeah. He was oldest. He looked a bit heavy on his feet. Like he wasn't like overweight, but he he was a big guy, you know. Love it was love, wasn't it? That um, won it. Was that your? Was that what you took from it? I th- I think so. Yeah, just the way that his wife was like looking after him in each break. Um, there just seemed to be a real tenderness and mutual respect there. But you're you're a romantic, aren't you? True. Well, you no. Love, I, you you love uh, Before Sunrise. I didn't really like it because I am, I'm not a romantic. I think we that was the conclusion we came to. I, I've always seen you and Liam, a young man called Liam, as, a, as romantics. Uh, right, I, I don't okay. think you both not liking Before Sunrise changes that for me. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, we've got we, we've got to move on now, haven't we? Um, well, what should we move on to takeaways? Have we had any write-ins? Um, I haven't no. had a write-in. don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone's wrote in this week, no. Wow. God, that's the drop-off. Dave McCabe hasn't been in touch. Dave McCabe hasn't been in touch. Um, there's been no Takeshi super fans wanting to no. share the love. Um, yeah, write-in, guys. I mean, this podcast is nothing without without you. Uh, I mean, a young, a young man in North Wales called um, Matthew, he, he said he's going to watch this film. He's very intrigued by this film, so I look forward to hearing Matthew's take on it and we, we can maybe share that uh, next week. Great, yeah, sounds good. I don't think we've got time for ratings this week, Chris. Rice, rice smile factor zero. Um, but two, uh, how, uh, two, uh, two or three laugh out loud moments. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, but no. Sh- I, I'm not saying it wasn't funny. But I would say that the Texan accent alone 
gives it a wry smile factor of 20%. Wry smile factor dropped off after the Snickers man left the competition. Just going back to the Snickers man, um, he's asked in the, I think it's the something like the 40th hour, how many Snickers does he think he's had? <laughs> yeah. And he says, I'm, I'm not sure how many, how many bricks have we had? So I think he's had a Snickers in, in every brick. So he's had like 40 Snickers. Every <laughs> hour. Two days. Yeah, amazing. And and he was really scared of lightning. And yeah, he, yeah. And and they, they they did the competition in the blazing sun, but they had a, a tent, a gazebo covering them. And he kept saying, I don't want the gazebo. I want him to take it away. I can do this in the sunshine. He loves the sunshine. The sunshine. Yeah. yeah, he's obsessed but, with weather, that guy. Obsessed with weather. Um so Rye's smile factor dropped off after he left, and but what it lacked in Rye smiles, it, it, there were a few laugh out loud moments. I think I laughed out loud just in the sheer excitement of the first twenty minutes. I'm like, oh, I, I am in for this sort of thing. You yeah, know? yeah, it does a really good job of setting it up, doesn't it? I think it's it is a little bit of a there's a bit of a sameness to it once. A, competition kicks off but like it, it, it sets the scene really well introduces you to Benny who's done it before it's all those things that you're talking about before about how, so what what is it that makes you win this competition and I, I don't think I was fully um, I don't think I fully appreciated how much it takes to win a competition like that and by the end I was thinking wow these these guys are athletes definitely I think it's harder than most competitions isn't it just for the mental endurance and the, the lack of sleep What's have you heard about you, the um, Have you heard about the controversy since? Yes, the, the the man who killed himself during the competition. Yeah, went went and bought a gun and killed himself with it on one of the bricks. So I don't yeah. know if they do those competitions anymore. I think I think they don't do them anymore after that. Um, what's the longest you've ever had without sleep? Um, without with zero sleep. Um. I mean, yeah. I've flown to Australia and probably so probably gone twenty four hours. Yeah, uh, going to Australia. I think that's probably that's probably my best effort. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say I've done thirty six to forty eight hours probably. Why? Probably chemical chemical inducements. Okay, okay. Yeah, but down in London, a nightclub called The End. Um, Travelling down to Exeter, to London, back up to Ex- back to Exeter. Stay- got on it a bit more, stayed up a bit longer. It was rave, wasn't it? The rave, the summer of love. Rave it was scene. the summer of love. A guy and called Gerard. Gerald. Who's Gerald? A guy called Gerald. Is that a track? Uh, DJ. DJ. And then the longest I've slept was after Glastonbury 2001, maybe. And and when I got back, I just lived off Monster Munch for like five days without leaving the house and slept for about five days. It was bizarre. That's I think, That's I, I, think I was ill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you did you party hard at Glastonbury? Did you have, was it a come down? We arrived on mushrooms and we left on cocaine. 
quote. <laughs> 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 it sounds so like what um, the bassist from Blair says about his celebrating his birthdays. Yeah, yeah, we we did the, we did the full um, spectrum, and uh, and what what was what's Blurt? Blur, Blair, Blair, the band. Yeah, what about them? Alex J- James is that what he's called? The bassist. Yeah, yeah. He said that he's celebrated his 18th birthday on alcohol. Yeah. And then celebrated his 20th birthday on cocaine. Right. And celebrated his 30th birthday with cheese. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Something like that, something like that. Okay, erotic rating, I'm giving it zero. Because it's not in, it's not subtitled, and not only that, they're American. It was about a truck. I'm not interested in trucks. Very little going on with eroticism. What about the title? Okay, I'll give it one. Um, and motif count probably one. One motif: consumerism, cars. There was a big car in it. And and I'm going to go back to the our old rating of positive percolation factor. Okay, right. Do you know what? This is this is a film we've watched that hasn't had the positive percolation factor. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a straight down the line, meat and potatoes, funny documentary. But it didn't have the deepness to have the positive percolation factor. I think you might change your mind on that if you listen to them and read about the musical. Okay, I'll do. I'll do that. I think the musical is the cafetiere to the beans. To the, the to the to the beans, the coffee beans, the coffee beans of the film. Yeah, mm, yeah. It's the. To the to the can I call it Kanko. I wouldn't call it coffee beans. I'm calling it um, Ethiopian dark roast. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, what what's next? Takeaways. Um, okay, yeah, very 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 quickly. W- one each. Yeah, you go first. I don't think I have one, so you go first. <laughs> um, I think I've said. I think I've sort of said all mine within the body of the podcast. Really. Okay, good. So we don't need to do takeaways. Maybe it's just the importance of motivation. Yeah. How far are you willing to go to change your situation? Is a good. Yeah. And I think. Uh, Benny Perkins himself is quite a um, inspirational character. The way that he's r- such a deep thinker about something like that, like something that's very straightforward in concepts. He he must have spoken that film for half an hour solid about all his different ideas and philosophies around the ha- hands on a hard body competition. Yes. He was he was he was like a samurai, wasn't he? And I, I think you can do that about any anything in life if you just challenge yourself. You can, you can. 
a lot of, there's a lot of interference that stops you from getting to your goals though isn't isn't there well someone like Benny Perkins he'll be sitting out on his um on his what they call the uh porch he'll be sitting out on his porch he'll have a he'll have a can of beer paps paps blue ribbon blue ribbon and yeah. a fag and he'll just be he'll a just cigarette. give himself the time and the space to think about think about things and I never do I that um, it's I me, it's films it's a podcast it's uh, listening to music and you know it's I never give myself the I think people who smoke are lucky because they give themselves moments of reflection throughout the day. Like um, Craig smokes roll-up cigarettes probably about four or five times a day, which isn't which isn't a lot, which isn't a great deal. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the most unhealthy thing ever. But he, he gives himself the place, the time to just stop. And that that's kind of why I took up smoking about when I was working at the Blue Coat about ten years ago. I decided I, my body. I decided I was eating too much sugar, so I just said I'm going to cut out sugar for my life because that's probably that's probably the thing that's going to give me cancer. And and I started smoking vapes, but I went right. for like the strongest one, like Marlboro Red form of vape, and right. made, made myself really ill. I think the vape juice might have run out and I was just smoking the plastic filter or something. Ooh, that's not going to Or maybe I just had overloaded with nicotine. But basically, nicotine has a lower LD50 than caffeine. So vaping nicotine, like without all the toxins that you get in tobacco, is in some ways healthier than drinking coffee, drinking having caffeine. And LD- nicotine actually relaxes you and makes your mind just as focused in some ways what's LD50 lethal dose 50 I think they take 50 lab rats and um, and test how many it kills and then that is they me- that's how they measure how lethal drugs are so uh, MDMA ex- ecstasy has an extraordinarily high LD50 um, but magic mushrooms has an insanely insanely low LD50 like much safer than things like caffeine and you'd have to eat you'd have to eat your own body weight in magic mushrooms for to become to have any to have physical toxicity to die from it obviously you'd lose your marbles way before that yeah I'd definitely puke as well um, yeah, so if you yeah. give 50 cups of coffee to a rat it would die <laughs> basically yes Carl Roberts, please write in to explain the LD50 more. Dr. Carl Roberts. Well, we've got a few. We've got Dr. Ed Beamer as well. We've got a few um, academics that listen to the podcast. Dr. Paul Christensen. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. Susie Gage. Dr. Susie Gage. Dr. Tommy Marsden. No. No. Not a doctor. Dr. Liam. Dr. Liam Nolan. I think Doctor, I think Dr. Rob Dr. Rob Tibbetts. Doctor of Cranes, maybe. 
at right. one day, probably the way, the way he's going, the tra- trajectory of his uh, crane career. A, is he doing a PhD? Pretty much, yeah. We've got seven minutes, Chris, so I'm going to take the bull by the horns and say, let's talk about our lives in 1997. Go. Uh, I've had a lifelong love affair with America. 1997 yes. was the year that I consummated Consuma- that love. Consummated it, yeah. Shoot. I went on holiday to Orlando. I went on holiday to Florida for two weeks. One week in Orlando, one week in St. Petersburg. That's Russia. Uh, there's a St. Petersburg in in Florida on the Gulf of Mexico. Right. And did you go to Disneyland? Disney World, Universal Studios, Sea World, Bush Gardens, the whole the whole nine yards. Bush Gardens, that's a blast from the past. Did you see the stars on the on Sunset Strip? Uh no, that's uh that's Los Angeles, I think. Where did you go? Florida. F- yeah, Florida. B- different coast, different place. Did you different see the vibes? I saw I didn't we didn't go to the Everglades, like uh in Only Fools and Horses. And G- Gentle Ben, the TV programme. Is that the bear with the microphone? F- friendly bear. Head cam. It doesn't have, a, doesn't have a microphone. I don't know why you said that. Head cap. Head cam. I, d- I don't remember it having a head cap. Head cam. Cam. Camera. Gentle Ben, the bear, didn't wear a head cam. I'm taking this from a Simpsons episode. Right. Gentle Ben was on camera. But he wasn't. He wasn't the cameraman. He wasn't it the was cinematographer. It, so it's a real bear interviewing yes. people. The, the general Ben didn't interview people. So what was he on the show for? Well, it was like a. It was like a, It was like Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, Lassie the Dog. It was an adventure, adventure fictional TV series about children with a gentle bear on a on a on a hovercraft on the Everglades. I'm thinking of something different. It's a bear that is on a talk show that right. might have just been made up by the the Simpsons, the people who write the Simpsons. Right. How how was America? Oh, everything I dreamed it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Ju- just, uh, I remember sitting on a bed in the hotel room, watching the telly and just enjoying watching the adverts. You, you, yeah. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? Um, you went to why? America just to watch the ab- American adverts in a hotel room. No, I'm saying if that was the low point of the holiday, it was still an aspect of the holiday that I really enjoyed. Right. Did you eat Taco Bell? Sizzler was the main, was the headline act. Sizzler. So I think it's right, widely derided in in the states. It's like an all-you-can-eat place, sort of. Um, <clears throat> you go up there and all the foods there on the ca- on the counters all the foods all the different foods you got bacon you got melon you've got fries you just go mm. up there and take what you want and you can go back up again if you right. want to salad bar sizzler well, it's called sizzler sizzler bar great yeah would you recommend going then 
Yeah, absolutely. Five stars out of five. Great. Lovely stuff. And what, what, what were you up to in 1997? 97, 15 years old, in my first foray into the world of music making. Whoa. Three, two, yeah. one, Tommy. Three, two, one, Tommy came about later on. Um, so this was, took up the guitar, um, went to get a music lesson from a guy who looked like Van Halen above a shop in, in Winchester and he was really 80s and he and he had like you know like spiky Ibanez guitars uh, into like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and stuff like that and he he said what sort of music do you want to learn and I said something like I was into Pulp um, and named a couple of other bands uh, Oasis and he said um, those instruments musicians these days can't play their instruments right uh, I never went back. Um, then I got lessons from a Christian rock musician called Andy Reid. Shout out to Andy Reid. Um, I went there maybe t- for 10 lessons, but he kept just getting frustrated with his children that were running around the house. He was quite, a, and he would like lose his temper a little bit. It's not very Christian, is it? Not very Christian behavior. Uh, but he sold me his epiphone acoustic guitar which i still have today uh yeah which is which is great it's the only guitar i've kept and i'm really glad i have um and joined a band all all american freak show uh not Great name. my I, I i hated the name at the time it wasn't my idea that name um in the band was a quite overbearing guy uh, again, I mentioned him last week, Ewan Cameron. Um, and he was kind of like a friend, but yeah, I won't say too much on it. And and then they we split up and then the remaining members of All American Freak Show reformed as Petrocelli without me. Uh, so I think, I think it was well, a bit of Well, without you? Yeah, yeah. What does so, Petrocelli um, mean? What's, what is that name? It was the name from? of a, a American TV detective. Right. Okay. Petrocelli, good good band name, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was the same guy that fobbed off Barb's in the last episode. So uh, he's a bit of a Machiavellian sort of, not that didn't do that things that were that nice. And um, his problem was that I he thought that I couldn't keep time um, but I think I'm just a lot more looser with rhythm I'm the sort of Danny Goffey of the guitar world you know Danny Danny Goffey from Supercast he, he plays drums but he's not known for keeping time but what he lacks in keeping time he makes up for in sheer balls spunk. to the wall spunk bravado mm-hmm. imagination balls to the so, wall spunk yeah so Ewan Cameron was technically good at the guitar, but he didn't have any punk spirit or like or like anything exciting going on. So Petrocelli, they did their thing. Then I formed a band with Keir Jones and Dan Lessing, um, and they definitely had the punk spirit. Like mm-hmm. the, the, we were those we were three renegades really. Um, and our first band, our first practice. Um, 
Dan Lessing punched Keir Jones on the arm and it hurt so much that Keir Jones kicked the wall and the wall was just a thin plasterboard and it put a big hole in the wall and then school found out it was at school and then uh, we got in trouble and then we didn't meet up again after that. Was there a name for that band? Uh, I'm trying to remember because I think it had a good name but I can't, it does, it's not coming to me though. And then that was the end of my musical dreams, just gone up in smoke within the space of a year or two, although I, I kept playing. Um, and, and you know, um, the only band after that, I think, was 3 to one Tommy, which I'm still in today, still going. Mm-hmm. You never say never, though. Do you think you'll, you think you'll form a band in your future? Never say never. Um, there is talk with my girlfriend she would like her her brother her family are musicians and her brother's mm-hmm. in a, has been in bands and uh, there's talk of forming a band uh, that play uh, kids events right a money spinner sort of thing career is sort bullshit of a, sort of a money spinner but I'm not bothered by that it's only playing to kids because I think it'll be good for my uh, regaining my confidence in being able to play in front of people yeah yeah that sounds because good yeah yeah, because I, I I suffer from, I just start making mistakes because um, I'm more geared into the theatre performing way rather than just playing music, which is kind of like a whole, totally different ball game using different part of your brain. Really, did all did all American Freak Show perform in public? Uh, no, I think the only public gig I've done is I've done is with Three to One Tommy at House Party in Exeter. But we 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 were all on drugs, um, so it kind of right. descended a little bit. Were you on drugs when you were in the All American Freak Show? No, didn't start smoking Mary Jane until I was about seventeen or eighteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's a future episode then. Yeah, actually, that's given me an idea for a good story for a future episodes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, well let's let's. Um, just move on to our next week's viewing, 1998. Wow, whistle stop tour, this isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm finding it quite invigorating. How about Me you? Me too. Maybe let, do write in, fans. We'd like, we'd love to hear the response to this week's episode and know is this a format that we keep? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll mention. Should I still mention all three three options yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. quickly? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I normally pick my films by going on Mubi and look at the top 50 films of that year. And I've I seen like... No, you could do that. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen like maybe 30 of them, which is crazy amount. Um, wow. Yeah, this is it. This is the challenge, isn't it, when we get to yeah. this age in our lives? So um, I've narrowed it down to the whole. The, the Sounds horror familiar. film. Sounds familiar, but it's not that whole. It's a whole, the whole by a director called Chai Ming Lang from Taiwan. Uh, okay, another Taiwanese. Well, yeah, well, it's the same guy as Viva La Mort. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Chai, okay. Chai Ming Lang. Um. I won't do the synopsis of each one. Okay. Because I'm not going to pick that one. 
Um, the next option was a sci-fi film called Dark City. We haven't done any sci-fi yet, have we? I'm, uh, I'm a very, I'm a sci-fi skeptic. I gotta say. I, I think I thought you were directed by Alex Proyas, and it was a film that I always saw in a video shop, and it was a film that, as a teenager, people would be like, they talk about it, like, oh, Dark City, yeah, you gotta see that. But I've never watched it. And the third film is called Black Cat, White Cat, from Yugoslavia. Directed by Emir Kusturica from Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. And that, that is the film that I have picked. Okay, just tell us briefly about that film. So it got 8.5 out of 10 on movie. That's high. That's great. It's 129 minutes long. And here's the synopsis. When Gypsy Grifter... Matko is abruptly swindled by his own partner. He is unable to pay the large debt he suddenly owes. As an alternative form of payment, Matko forces his adolescent son, Zare, into an arranged marriage with his partner's sister, it, it, says, it says midget sister, with his partner's sister who has dwarfism, Aphrodita, However, both Zare and Aphrodita find the marriage objectionable and their attempts to escape the situation leads leads to a series of unpredictable comic escapades. Okay, sounds sounds interesting. Sounds like it might it, be fraught with uh, political issues, political correctness yeah, potentially, issues. I, potentially, I, I hadn't read that far down in the synopsis, but I watched a clip and it, and it looks like a Sam Turner special. Okay, well, you got to like, be careful. You got to be careful saying these things. Yeah, it just looks like an idiosyncratic comedy, and uh, it looks like it's got some uh, some originality going on and some some good characters. So I've never seen a film from that part of the world, so that sounds good. Same here. Yeah, same here. Lovely stuff. Okay, um, I feel like there's something about time that we can weave this together in with. We've been against the clock in terms of the podcast, but we've we've um, covered a film that is all about endurance over the a long span of time. Is time is in, in that. Is there, is there a phrase about time being a mistress? Do you know, time is a cruel mistress. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really like that phrase. It sounds a little bit sexist, doesn't it? Oh, really? And it's a bit on the nose. It's a bit on the nose. Yeah. You mentioned Ethiopian dark roast. Yeah, I just like those three words together. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense in terms of the content, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, Snickers, Snickers, time marathon. Yeah, marathon. It's because it's about a marathon. Not on a hard body is a marathon. Sprint, not a marathon. It's a sprint, not a Snickers. It's a sprint, not a Snickers. It's a marathon, not a Snickers. Mm-hmm.